Good morning. This is Back Chat on March the 24th. It's a Friday, and I'm Andrew Work. And I'm Janice Wong. On Friday's Back Chat, we are talking Cross Harbor Tunnel Toll Changes. From August 2nd, the tolls on all three Cross Harbor tunnels will be adjusted as part of the government's two-part plan to ease Cross Harbor congestion. The Western Harbor Crossing gets cheaper for private cars, while the Cross Harbor Tunnel and Eastern Harbor Crossing will see prices rise. But taxis will enjoy a flat rate of $25 for all three tunnels. But that's just getting the show started. By the end of this year, rush hour fares for private cars and motorcycles will be introduced. After 9.45, still on transport and a look at the MTRC's new fare adjustment mechanism. Let us know what you think on our Facebook page, Backchat on RTHK Radio 3. Email us at backchat at rthk.hk and relive the excitement of Backchat every day on iTunes, Spotify, and on the online archives. And today, uh, tackling our top topic, we are going to bring the experts, uh, starting with Alok Jane, CEO and Managing Director of Trans Consult. Good morning, Alok. Good morning, Andrew. Morning. Good morning, James. We also have on the line uh, Dr. Timothy Howe, Honorary Associate and Professor, Faculty of Business and Economics, HKU Business School at the University of Hong Kong. Good morning, Dr. Howe. Good morning. Good morning. And hopefully we also have uh, Mr. Michael Tin, Roundtable Convener and Legislative Counselor. Good morning. Good morning. All right, Alec Jane. (laughs) Great to have you back, Michael. (laughs) Always a pleasure. Always a pleasure. Uh, We're going to kick off. uh, Alec Jane, uh, you're in the studio, so tell us what exactly is going on, what fares are being raised on what tunnels? Well, we seem to be in a season of fare increases or fare changes, let's put it this way, in transport. So obviously, this whole cross-harbor tunnels. Now, fundamentally, let's ask ourselves this question, why the tolls were introduced in the first place? And they were, these are all public-private partnership projects. They were all concessions, 30-year concession. As a part of that, we wanted the concessionaire to, ret- to get a handsome return on these projects, and that's the reason why these tolls were established. So that was the primary purpose of these tolls. It was not congestion. It was simple economics at that time. Now, obviously, this 30-year time frame is over and the tunnels are back to public ownership. We are now suddenly trying to use this opportunity to increase, extend these tolls, not for the purpose of, uh, you know, paying for the infrastructure, but for the purpose of controlling congestion. Let's establish the cause of congestion. Why? What is why? What is causing congestion? Too many is it, people want to go to the same place at the same time, and using too many cars, mm. and and that's fundamentally the problem today. More, more than hundred thousand vehicles are using Cross Harbor Tunnel. Eighty thousand vehicles are using Eastern Harbor Crossing. Sixty thousand vehicles are using Western Harbor Crossing. Are these going to change? This whole quantum of people which are moving from you know, Kowloon side to Hong Kong side and vice versa, is that going to change by changing these tall prices? And the answer to that is, you know, very spurious. I mean, I don't think anything in the past leads us to believe that that is going to fundamentally change uh, the overall movement pattern. Yes, there will be some movement from Western to Eastern, Eastern to Western. Those kind of things will happen. But fundamentally, this volume is not going to change. But economics happens at the edge as we said. And so they are making changes at the edge. They're going to raise the prices in the eastern tunnel. They're going to raise the prices in the central and lower them in the western. I mean, uh, can you give us a quick uh, rundown on how much on each tunnel and what what change can that make? So if you look at just numbers, so 180,000 people are going to see a a price increase of 5 to $10. 
and you will have 60,000 people pay $15 less. Mm. That, that's if, let's say, if there's not, no change in movement of people. So that's the equation, right? If now. there's no change, but like I said, economics yeah. happens at the edges. There will be some so change. There will be changes. There will be some people who will be moving away from Cross Harbor Tunnel to Western Harbor Crossing. Uh, but what happens on the Hong Kong Island is not going to fundamentally change. So congestion on Hong Kong Island, which is even today, if you see what happens in Central, where the tunnels kind of the traffic converge, the traffic, if it is still there, the same amount of traffic, it's not going to decongest that area. So the, the argument about congestion is a bit spurious here. It's not on solid grounds. What we need to do is, yes, Hong Kong had been talking about road user charging and all of those things, which probably is the way to go and we need to look at it from a pers holistic perspective. We are now taking a very piecemeal approach to addressing congestion in Hong Kong. Mm. All right, let's uh, go to Mr. Tian. Um, so, so right now, I mean, Mr. Jane is saying that uh, the new tolls won't do much to uh, help uh, improve the congestion uh, situation. Do you share that view? Uh, I do believe the numbers make a big difference. Uh, the aggregate of these numbers also make a difference as to how many people continue to drive to work. Uh, so I'm looking at three factors that I think we should all debate and consider. First of all is should the total sum change? Currently the total sum for the three tunnels uh, for private cars is $120. $120. The argument uh, put forward by these assimilation models is that if you reduce that $120, there will be more people crossing uh, the harbor and uh, Hong Kong Island will be, you know, basically, uh, you know, bumper to bumper. And if you raise the $120, which is what the government's doing now, to $140, uh, there will be probably less people crossing the harbor, which supposedly is good and also good for public transport, but then you are depriving uh, drivers uh, of their <coughs> choice of driving, all right? So I suggest that the government to keep the total level at 120. So that is one philosophical argument. But Michael, if, if I can, if Michael uh, get, our listeners might not have the background. So basically it's plus 15 for Central Tunnel, plus 15 for Eastern Tunnel, minus, oh, sorry, minus 15 for Western Tunnel? Minus 15 for Western Tunnel, plus okay. 5 for Eastern Tunnel, plus okay. 10 for Central Harbor Crossing. Plus 10, plus 10 for Central, plus 15, and plus, minus, okay, got it. Yeah, right now it's 75, 20, 25. It adds up to 120. Mm. The first phase is 60, 30, 30, it's still 120. So from that standpoint, the total is the 120, which I think balances the interest of drivers and uh, the uh, so-called uh, uh, <coughs> uh, public transport, okay? Giving them the same amount of uh, sort of uh, hurdle. Uh, now, the second phase, however, is 60-40-40. So they are changing the total number, uh, which is 140. So the simulation model says that that would discourage uh, people from driving. Uh, all right, so there's a question there. Some people agree, some people disagree. Okay, so that's the first argument. The second argument is should we take into account for those who almost have to use San, uh, Hong Kong and Eastern Tunnel and therefore be very mindful of the increase because the second phase of $40 
for Hong Kong is a hundred percent increase. For Eastern Tunnel, it's increasing from twenty-five to forty dollars. You could say it's only fifteen dollars, but it's thirty dollars uh, round trip. It's about a thousand dollars a month, supposedly, and a lot of people uh, says it's not fair. Okay. <clears throat> of course, the third one, which is the one I'm most concerned about, is does it really achieve traffic rationalization? Okay. Mm. In other words, does it really reduce the waiting time at Hong Kong? Okay, and uh, shift more cars to take the Western Tunnel. All right. So, with regard to the first aspect, I've stated my position. With regard to the second one, I feel that government's second phase of 60-40-40 would be a bit too unfair to those using Eastern and uh, Central, uh, which is the Hong Kong Tunnel. Because honestly, if you are driving on the eastern side, how do you switch over to Western Tunnel? It's not quite realistic. Mm. All right. So, to take those into account, we have proposed actually 50, 35, 35 roundtable. Now, if you use 50, 35, 35, it still adds up to 120. So, I did not touch the total. Secondly, by reducing uh, Western more. And lowering, and the, uh, yeah, and then uh, lowering the uh, uh, the uh, the other two, it would uh, create a lesser increase for the current drivers using Eastern and Hong Kong. All right, and I believe that reducing the spread from twenty dollars, twenty is the difference between sixty and forty, to fifteen dollars which is the difference between 50 and, uh, 50 and 35, would uh, increase the chance of traffic rationalization. Hmm. So we've been convincing government to give a, a second thought so that at the second stage, it will become uh, uh, 50, 35, 35. Okay. Uh, Timothy Howe, I mean... I'm trying to. I'm trying to get uh, as a behavioral like an economist. I'm trying to get a grasp of uh, Michael Tin's approach to this issue. What What is your take on it? I mean, is this is this thinking about it as a, as a total sum the right way to go, or are we having a bigger impact by trying to target individual tunnel prices and manage it at that level? Well, I'm unfamiliar with uh, Michael Tin's approach of um, of looking at this. Uh, now, whether or not that. Um, whatever configuration that um, uh, Michael's proposing, by the government's proposing 60, 30, 30, and then on the second stage, so on the first stage, and the second stage, it's uh, what, uh, 60, 40, 40. Um, you know, whether it's a variation of that, okay. I mean, the, the, the outcome really depends on how the simulation results come out based on the comprehensive transport study and the behavioral travel demand models that that the consultants, okay, uh, or the transport department themselves have used to 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 predict the behavioral changes, okay. The but predicting, presumably, they've already done the simulators. Now it's time for live action. They're going to try it in the real world, right? And how is it going to work out? Yeah. Well. What I'm trying to say is that you point out correctly that uh, Andrew, right, uh, that um, this all this uh, changes really on the edge, 
in terms of econ jargon, it's at the marginal changes. And the interesting thing is this. They have an innovation, okay? And the innovation is this, and that is the, the transition charging arrangement, okay? This business of going from, right, the off-peak period, okay, when people get up to go to work, okay, uh, it's at $20, and then right go into the peak period, it's $60, right? So so at 7.30, you have this big jump. Now, mm. they don't have the, the uh, transition charging arrangement. Then there, there's this problem of people trying to speed up to get there beforehand to save $40, okay? That's a big, big what they have done is to, to do $2 for every two minutes. So essentially, it creeps up from 7.30 to 8.08 a.m., okay, so that essentially it gets to the, from $20 to $60. All these are marginal changes. And the mar- what, what econ tells us is that the marginal changes will be where people make the changes, okay? So... So it's difficult for people to do big changes, get up an hour early or, or do an hour later. But what, if everybody does a, a few minutes of changes, it's going to make a big difference because the congestion function is exponential. So once you have a few vehicles or 5 10%, and all these, for instance, all these world pricing systems, they're, they're really marginal changes that London, Stockholm, Gothenburg, all over the world, Singapore, you know, basically they, they spread actually about 10, 15% of mm. the drop in traffic. Mm. And what happens is that there's a huge drop in terms of congestion. So it is not the case that there's not going to be a major change, okay, because everybody's shifting a little bit, <coughs> see. And, and the transition of uh, arrangement, as I understand, not only applies to from from the R peak to AM and then PM to the to the R peak, it really transition for the what they call normal peak is really into peak, mm. right? Uh, Thirty dollar um, sure. a level. So so it comes down from sixty dollars, thirty dollars, and so on. And and then it, so so all these things people are changing marginally. And and then what happens is in the aggregate, it effectuates big changes. Mm. And the big changes comes about from the fact that. Um, there's there's a small drop in traffic, and yet there's a big drop in congestion time. Mm. So we've got we've got uh, you know, and you've kind of stuck in the second part of this, which is the, f- the first part is that uh, tunnel fares are going to drop in the central tunnel. They're going to drop in the eastern tunnel. They're going to go up in the western tunnel. But there's going to be rush hour charges introduced, which is a new thing for Hong Kong. Alex Chain. Well, yes. I mean, Russia peak pricing is uh, obviously one of the key economic means to control some of the behavior. Well, we never had it here before, right? Well, we never had it. We had it in the way that we, we had it in reverse. I mean, for example, MTRC, they introduced a, a off-peak pricing. So if you mm. travel early morning, you get a discount. It fundamentally, it achieves the same objective. It's the marginal differences between the price points uh, between peak and off-peak that matters. So we are trying to do exactly that. And that is going to, of course, impact a lot, um, you know, at the shoulders, uh, what happens at the beginning of the peak and at the end of the peak. Mm. So we'll see a bit of a flattening of the curve. So those kind of impacts obviously would be perceptible. But fundamentally, again, what causes congestion? Mm-hmm. It's not the toll that causes, causes congestion. It's the number of cars or the car usage that causes congestion. And I think we are still not 
addressing that problem. And if, unless we address that problem, it is going to be a cycle. We will probably have a short-term impact, but then eventually, and I think Professor Howe can give you a lecture on price elasticity, that after a few months of time, few, you know, few months, it's going to go back to exactly the same thing. We are going to become desensitized to increases and we'll be sticking to the same behavior that we do today. So it's not going to have a long-term impact unless we address the issue of car usage in the city. I mean, we, we may give uh, Professor Held that opportunity in the second half of the show for a lecture on price elasticity, but Michael Tien, you sit in the committee meetings. What is the government trying to tackle here? Are they looking at pollution? Are they looking at productivity? I mean, uh, people not wasting their time sitting in tunnels, lineups when they could be at work. I mean, what, what is the primary objective of the government when they are thinking about the reducing congestion? The government is trying to tackle two issues at this time. Mm. One is to spread the uh, uh, cars, the congestion, more evenly among the three tunnels. So instead of uh, uh, penalizing those using the Hong Kong tunnel, having to wait a much longer time than Western, simply because you uh, economically more affordable, so mm. you pay more. It's like econ today. It's like economy class and uh, business class. It's really what it is between the Hong Kong tunnel and the Western tunnel. They're trying to rationalize the traffic. Secondly, they're trying to have people maybe change their uh, pattern a little bit in terms of. Uh, uh, leaving home and driving maybe earlier to work uh, with the sort of progressive adjustment of fares. On the second part, I actually uh, quite support the government. I had initially pushed uh, forth that concept, though I wasn't involved in the details, okay? So that for each particular tunnel, instead of the current one, where uh, people all jam up at the most convenient uh, a minute, all right, people will maybe spread out a little bit more. Now, with regard to changing drivers' behavior, I would say that the Hong Kong tunnel is the most convenient, okay? So, theoretically, no matter how much you increase, uh, uh, and in fact, you know, the most convenient one should actually be charged the most. So it's, the, it's, it's really ironic, because if you really want to rationalize the traffic, Hong Kong should eventually be charged the most, and Western Tunnel the least, all right? Mm -hmm. So uh, uh, I was originally talking to government, why not make it $40 across all three tunnels? Because even $40 across all three tunnels, the Hong Kong Tunnel would be the most convenient, would probably still be more congested. Uh, however, with the central bypass being, uh, uh, you know, uh, finished, uh, Western becomes actually much more accessible crossing the harbor and Hong Kong because the connecting uh, roads are much better. And the government simulation is that if they do 40 and 40 and 40, a total of $120, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. then the congestion will flip to the Western tunnel having the same situation as Hong Kong today. Michael Tin, I'm going to give you a gift, uh, something you can bring to the next Expo meeting. Why not have March Madness next year, the month of March? We try 40, 40, 40 for all three tunnels. One month just to see what happens. I mean, is, is that something they could, uh, the government could impose on the tunnel operators and say, listen, you guys, we just want to try it for a month and see what happens. Are we, are we capable of running those kinds of experiments in Hong Kong? Okay, this is politics. You're now talking about politics. And contracts. When yes, you politics. try something... Uh, 
uh, it would work if you further uh, decrease. But if you try and it doesn't work and you increase back again, you're asking for trouble. <laughs> <laughs> so sure. unless, okay, so this is actually what government is doing now, right? They start from the current one and then they do 60, 30, 30, and then the next one, they do 60, 40, 40, okay? So 60, 40, 40 is still an overall, uh, uh, that's an increase of $120,140. So my proposal is they start with 60, 30, 30, okay? And then uh, change it to 50, uh, 35, 35, okay? which is actually a better proposal than the government's 60-40-40, uh, right? Mm -hmm. So compared to the government's proposal, all three tunnels has a reduction in fee, which I think would meet uh, wider support from the public than the 60-40-40. But I had talked to the government about whether they could try a period of equal fare, and if it doesn't work, go back up. Uh, they don't have the political courage to do that because that would be too much of a, uh, a disturbance, okay? But they are now asking for a negative vetting uh, uh, power to change these things uh, uh, maximum once every six months, okay? That mm -hmm. is hidden in the bill. So that is going to have major debate too because once we clear this one, Every six months, they can do their own adjustment through negative vetting. In other words, they can announce the changes, and then we go and vet them. So mm. that part would give them what you are looking for, which is that if, you know, either 60, 40, 40, or 50, 35, 35 doesn't work, okay, they can go further to 40, 40, 40. And if 40, 40, 40 doesn't work, maybe eventually Hong Kong will be the most expensive. All right, Mr. Chen, what, what about uh, Mr. Jane's uh, earlier comment about uh, um, how we should uh, try to reduce the number of cars on the road uh, in, in future? I mean, uh, as the uh, real long-term solution to the congestion problem. You know, honestly, uh, if you want people to stop driving, there are only two ways to solve the problem. Uh, first of all, you take away all the car parks. <laughs> but, uh, you know... You can you can't really do that. People are really crying. They're not in the parking spaces. Yeah, they're parking that's, illegally that's all, all over Central. what the government is doing. Government is deliberately not building more car parks to discourage people from driving. So they're, so they're achieving that. Secondly, I don't think really increasing the total number would discourage people. They would still cross the harbor, although the simulator says that every change to that $120 will result in a uh, change of total cars crossing. I, I, you know, computers are computers. But I think the most important thing, there are two ways you can do it. Electronic pricing, okay, during particular hours on Hong Kong Island, which is what Alok is talking about, and I agree with that. And also making public transport much more convenient, uh, less of a hassle than driving. And one way of doing that is to build these huge parking facilities near the bus interchange stations in Tumun and Yunlong. You know, I've been pushing them to do that. If they have these, they have the land. If they build these multi-story car parks that could house, uh, you know, hundreds, uh, thousands of cars, people can then drive to work uh, by 
uh, they drive to the bus station, park the car, and then ride the bus uh, across uh, uh, to the Hong Kong island. It's those kind of concepts that would switch people from driving to uh, uh, public transport. Of course, plus East, um, uh, the East Rail crossing the uh, harbour, uh, I think already is helping a lot. I think I know a lot of people who used to drive now switch to taking the East Rail crossing the harbour because it's very convenient. It's a very short time. And, yeah, I'm, I'm, you, uh, I'm a big uh, fan. I'm a big fan. I did it this morning. Michael Tan, we're going to thank you for coming on the show today. That's Mr. Michael Tan, roundtable convener and legislative counselor as we approach the half-hour news. Uh, quick hit on the weather. Sunny intervals and a few showers. One or two thunderstorms, if you like that sort of thing. Right now, the temperature is 25 degrees Celsius, and we are dealing with 80% humidity. It's time is 9.30 a.m. and now the news with Todd Harding. The MTR says East Rail Line services are gradually returning to normal after it reported extra travelling time due to a person on the track at Shartin Station. At around 7.30 this morning, the MTR said the total journey time on the East Rail Line could be extended by 10 to 15 minutes. The chief executive of TikTok has made a vigorous defence of the video-sharing app to a US congressional committee as pressure mounts for an outright ban in the US over national security concerns. Shouzi Chu said TikTok had never shared data with the Chinese authorities. And police in Montenegro say they've arrested the former cryptocurrency mogul Do Kwon. The country's interior minister called the South Korean national one of the world's most wanted fugitives. The U.S. Securities and Exchange Commission has accused him of orchestrating a multi-billion dollar crypto asset securities fraud. I'll have more news at 10 o'clock. I'm Janice Chan. From April 1st this year, precious metals and stones dealers registered as Category A registrants with customs, according to the Anti-Money Laundering and Counter-Terrorist Financing Ordinance, can conduct non-cash transactions of $120,000 or more. Category B registrants can conduct both cash and non-cash transactions of $120,000 or more. The register is available online for checking. Visit the customs website for details. To assist vehicle owners in applying for HKE toll services, including applying for a vehicle tag, opening an account, and linking a payment means, the Transport Department has set up 34 consultation counters, with 25 at MTR stations and 9 at venues under the Home Affairs Department in the new territories. For details, please visit the HKE toll website or call 3853-7333. Drive smart with HKE toll. And we're back on Backchat, and we are talking about the increases to the tunnel toll fares. Later in the show, we're going to be talking about the increases in MTR uh, payments, which is arguably, I think, probably more of us pay. Uh, but uh, very quickly, Alec Jane, can you give us the, uh, the quick rundown on what the proposed changes are? Because we have an increase in Central, we have an increase in Eastern, we have a decrease in Western. Taxis are going to have one fare, so anybody that's taking a taxi can kind of pick their tunnel. They don't have to really, you know, I mean, the, the fare is the same, so they don't have to worry about it too much. And then in August, we're going to have more differences in pricing. Can you give us a quick rundown before? Well, yeah, so as you said, Central Harbor Crossing will go up from 20 to 30. Eastern Harbor Crossing will go up from 25 to 30. And Western Harbor Crossing would reduce from 75 to 60. So that's the kind of balancing. And taxis, of course, are going to charge a flat 
fair uh, of 20 uh, all across all the uh, tunnels. So, yes, for taxis, again, the number of trips that are made by taxis are few, very few. Mm-hmm. So that's not going to have a big impact on congestion. That is mostly to address uh, how people choose taxi and, and which tunnel they choose or, or the taxi drivers mm-hmm. would like to choose. And they want to make it just as a, it's a function of congestion or a speed rather than as a function of price. But presumably a lot of customers will be saying, Take the Western Tunnel. Oh yes, now. because because you know prior to that they'd be like, so Hongkwaya. I mean, it was very expensive, but now they can say oh, Western Tunnel, same as the others. Yes, but when you end up on the central side, uh, there are going to be much more congestion taking the Western Harbour crossing, and then eventually people will avoid Western Harbour crossing for the same reasons that they do today for Cross Harbour Tunnel. So I think fundamentally, this is what I was saying earlier that if you're not going to reduce the traffic it is not going to reduce the congestion. We are going to end up in the same place. The bottlenecks are going to still stay the same. Mm-hmm. And eventually it will, uh, you know, blunt the entire uh, measure that we are trying to take here. Sure. And, and that's the reason why this is not really the right way. We have to take a holistic approach in addressing uh, the, the congestion problem, which is, so one is a pricing issue. The second thing which I would like to mention is that many of these cities like Singapore and, and London that was alluded to earlier, they have they collect these money uh, from tolls or ERP, electronic road pricing, and they use it for improvement of the transport infrastructure. And that is walking, bicycling and all of those. In Hong Kong, we don't seem to have that conversation at all. Mm-hmm. We are changing the price, trying to reduce the congestion. And just in the break, we heard this API about drive smarter. I mean, we are promoting how to drive. And, and I think the conversations need to shift from driving, away from driving, to take public transport, use bicycles, use walking. And, and we are not having those conversations. Hmm. And uh, just now you're talking about uh, how we should reduce traffic on the road. Um, how about uh, lowering uh, the, the toll for, let's say, uh, lorries or, or trucks or commercial vehicles overnight? W- would that help? Well, it does help. There are many ways to skin the cat, as we say. You know, you know for example, 20% of the peak hour traffic in Cross Harbour Tunnel at the moment is goods vehicles. And you can move it away from the peak hour, and then immediately you have a peak hour problem solved. Mm-hmm. So goods vehicle doesn't need to be. I mean, London doesn't allow peak hour delivery of goods. Uh, you never see trucks delivering stuff or logistics, doing logistics mm. during the peak hour in London. Really? So there is no reason why that should, I mean, yes. Well, here, here we have triads putting cones out in the streets in Causeway Bay to reserve parking well, spots. Well, that's a separate problem to have. Right? And let's not go into that bit uh, because I think that's an endless conversation there. But having said that, so there are many ways to address the, you know, that particular aspect. We can do pricing, we can do other regulatory means. But having you know, this whole toll issue, end of the day, if they are increasing the pie, I mean, because the numbers are so different, eventually this is going to yield into a much bigger revenue for the government as compared to what they are getting today. Mm. And if we can use that revenue judiciously for improving the rest of transport infrastructure, that would make perfect sense. I mean, I thought it was all about pollution, about productivity, but you also bring in government revenue. Timothy Howe, is the government going to make more money off of these changes? Well, um, I do not know the answer to that question. You'll have to ask them. Please. But uh, the, what, the, what the Secretary of Transport and Logistics have pointed out and have, um, again, stressed, 
that the surcharges, the peak charges, are not to raise revenue, okay? And after all, because the reason why we don't know that question is because of the fact that there there is reduction, mm. right? There are huge reductions, for instance, okay, uh, for for certainly for the Western Harbor Crossing from seventy five dollars down to sixty dollars, and and then for 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 the other tunnels, okay, during off peak periods, it's they're, they're all going down to the to twenty dollars, for instance, at certain periods, right? Uh, off peak periods. And that is, of course, the, the rate that uh, the Cross Harbor Tunnel has been facing, and and so so overall, there's decrease in terms of um, uh, the toll rates, and uh, there um, and and so and, and yes, of course, there's the surcharge, okay. But whether or not the net revenue, you know, is positive, I don't know. Okay. Mm. Now let's say, let's assume that there is, right? And, and what Alec Jane is saying that, well, you know, we should use that to improve the transport system. No, I mean, you know, nobody's going to, you know, uh, quibble with that, okay? Uh, but we have to be, make sure that, um, well, there, 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 there's legislation involved, right? We, we have to ensure that, okay, it goes to some kind of a toll stabilization fund, okay? And that nobody can touch it except you know the uh, the transport bureau use that for uh, for for the transport system. Mm. So so that is as you we all know the uh, Hong Kong government you know follows the non hypothecation of revenues approach to public finance principle and uh, and therefore okay that would you know bring in another wrinkle into the whole debate okay. Mm. Uh, because it involves legislative changes, okay. Right. And I think there there was actually in 2019, uh, in order for the, the first, well, first uh, one of the um, toll rationalization proposals, uh, there actually it was it was uh, you know there there was a proposal to switch. Actually, it was the former Secretary of Transport, uh, Frank. Right. Mm. He actually um, got through the uh, saying that uh, for the for the um, uh, tunnel authorities, okay, like cross harbor tunnel, the the surcharges, okay, could it goes to some kind of a um, you know bus tolls rationalization fund. Mm. So so that because uh, the original argument there was that remember there, there was there was no stage two there. There's no time varying toll. It was all fixed, and there was just a changes in 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 toll, and people were up in arms in the fifty forty forty arrangement, right? Right, but and, we're but uh, we're getting rush hour pricing coming August. I mean, now now it's not just you know tunnel price, tunnel price, tunnel price one two three. We're going to have tunnel price times six, well, nine, nine uh, different variations. I mean, is the government if if they start mixing things up? Can they mix it up more often? Could they change it every couple of months, and people don't really notice? I mean, because now right the, now. Yeah. Right now, they propose the legislation is for six months. Okay, mm. the adjustment mechanism. Okay, wow. uh, is for every six months, which I think is okay, but it could be better if it's every three months, in order to respond to the changes. For instance, Alok is uh, and you guys are suggesting. Okay, um, and in fact, Singapore does that. Mm. Okay, every quarter. 
they announced uh, the changes. Okay, man. are they are they are and, they essentially free from their contractual obligations now? Have they run out their contractual obligations to all the tunnel companies, and they can just change it whenever they feel like it, and the tunnel companies just have to suck it up as <laughs> whatever they get thrown until they decide they want to quit? Well, there are no tunnel companies as such at the, anymore. These are all circa becoming right? government owned. They're operators. So they are not owners. The owner, the concession is over. So these are back to the government ownership. So the government can just make it up day to day if they want. Yeah, or they can even make it free if they want. I mean, huh. that's what they have done with. No, 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 no. Yeah. Well, not exactly. I mean, right now the legislation is such that they have to try and, uh, as as part of the six three three package, right? First stage, second stage. Okay, the time varying told. Part of it is to 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 change, for instance, three things. One is the the, the toll rate. They're each adjustment level every six months. Okay, each adjustment level plus three dollars up and down three dollars. Okay, for cumulative aggregate adjustment limit of fifteen dollars. In a starting time, they're allowed to. But they want the legislation to change to allow the one hour forward, one hour backwards, and the duration is fifteen minutes. Okay, so so uh, so the legislation. This is still this has to go through legco together with all this time varying toll. Okay, and what I'm saying here is that uh, six months is okay, but it will be better if it's if it's three months. Okay, and my own view, of course, is that um, there shouldn't be such kinds of restrictions. Okay, but I understand people are worried. Okay, that uh, it will give the transport bureau too much, or transport department too much power. The commission of transport. I mean, the legislation for the commission of transport to make minor adjustments of the peak time slots. Okay. Yeah. Alex Jane, I mean, it sounds like the government could do whatever they want, so maybe they could try my so one is about, idea. Yeah, so one question is about the ownership and what, are, what is their right to do so. And, and, and yes, the answer to that is they're getting the ownership back, the concessions are going to be over, and hence they would have the freedom to do what they want to do. Uh, second is, of course, the legislative uh, amendments and those changes. So what currently government is proposing is to a power to change frequently and we can debate to again there is no right or wrong answer here whether it's six months whether it should be three months whether it should be every month for that matter mm-hmm. uh, I, and i think there are a lot of examples in us where they do dynamic pricing which is literally they adjust the, the price based on the amount of volume of traffic that is being used at any given point of time. Now, today the technology permits you to do that, that you know, it actually allows you to implement something like that. But whether that is acceptable, that is too complicated, easy to understand, difficult to understand, I think those are the questions that we have to ask. I think there is a beauty in simplicity uh, because the message is very loud and clear. If people who are driving there don't even know what the tunnel is going told is going to be or what they are going to charge, I think that will lead to endless arguments. Yeah, but I mean, this is a modern era. People just check on their app before they get in the tunnel. I mean, every morning before I come down to RTHK, I, you know, crack crack open the city bus uh, app, and I know within a couple of minutes when... Andrew, we are talking about Hong Kong right now. (laughs) Um, And I don't think there is any app which even tells you what 
tunnel toll or what traffic, how much traffic you have on the street. Yeah, right now yeah. we are, you know, Google, Hong Kong is Google Maps. That Hong tells Kong, you how much traffic there is. Hong Kong is one of the cities which does not have an integrated journey planner. Let me, you know, really? we are going on a different uh, track here, but sure. we don't have a journey planner in Hong Kong, a single journey planner for all transport modes. Uh, it's piecemeal. You open a city bus app, KMB app, or whatever. So it's a different issue, and and of course that that is an area we must address. But I think when it comes to toll, uh, there is a simple simplicity. You know, this two dollar. Everybody loves this two dollar for elderly. Why? Because it's so simple, easy to remember. If you had two twenty to one eighty, it starts to become complicated, right? Hmm. And I think the same issue I'm talking about tolls. You change it too frequently, people are not going to remember. Then there will be endless arguments. You change it too infrequently it is going to impact uh, or it would not have the deterrent effect that it's supposed to have mm. so i think there's a balancing there that we need to do that is a beautiful dance of the invisible hand uh, of adam smith a little throwback to old school economics as we head into the break and we shift to our next topic which is going to be about the mtr we're going to thank dr timothy howe for joining us on the show today he's a professor at the faculty of business thank and you. economics thank you timothy always great to have you on we had you on last friday uh, anytime transport in you're a go one of our go-to guys he's an honorary associate professor of faculty of business and economics at the hku business school at the university of hong kong alec jane is going to stay with us as we transition to our next topic here you go 25 years of public service broadcasting. Stay tuned with Hong Kong. I'm Christine Choi, the Secretary for Education. Congratulations on the 95th anniversary of RTHK and many wishes for its future success. 95 years of public service broadcasting. Stay tuned with Hong Kong. You're listening to Backchat. Call us on 233-88-266 and have your say. All right, we're back on Backchat. Thanks to Christine Choi for congratulating us on our 95th anniversary. I guess she's working hard today, helping to make our kids that much smarter. We are talking, uh, we've been talking the first part of the show about tunnel fares uh, for people that are taking their cars or taxis and in August or motorbikes, uh, the prices are changing for all that. But price changes are also coming to the MTR, which I think probably more of a stake uh, on this part of the show. Alec Jane is going to stay with us. He's the CEO and Managing Director of TransConsult. We are also going to welcome Gary Tong Jin Yu, who is a member of the Legislative Council. Good morning, Gary. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Yeah. Gary, I understand you were a railway engineer and you worked as an MTR station manager. Is that true or is that just a rumor? That's quite true, yeah. I I was an MTR station manager before I became my full-time legislator. Wow. I mean, I think think there's a whole radio show just in asking you about what that involves because it's so important for so many people. But we're talking about MTR fares today. Uh, What are the changes that are coming to uh, how much we pay for taking the MTR? I'm sorry, can you repeat the question? Yeah, what what are the changes coming? Like, uh, what, what are the changes coming in terms of MTR fares? Oh, you mean the fair adjustment system, right? Yes. Yeah, I, I think it's a quite, uh, quite. Uh, we're seeing quite some positive changes in the mechanism, but of course, some of the factors there are still uh, devil in the details. Then let me elaborate a little bit more. It is the first time the profits of MTR Corporation has been added as a permanent component of the fair adjustment formula itself. 
uh, I, I mean, from this part, it's indeed a, a significant breakthrough since the merge of two railway companies in Hong Kong and the creation of this uh, fare adjustment mechanism since 2007. Um, but however, uh, the newly introduced profit linked reduction factor will only be set at between the 0.6 to 0.8 percentage point. So uh, that means at most 0.2 percent. Um, uh, uh, um, re, uh, special reduction uh, could uh, could be uh, uh, realized uh, on top of the regional uh, productivity factor of 0.6 percentage uh, in the original formula. So um, that's, um, I mean, these numbers are, are way too conservative in my point of view. Really? Alex Jane, what do you think? Well, uh, uh, my, my view on this is uh, slightly different, is that, first of all, uh, it is good that we have a formula. So there is a bit of objectivity. We can debate to death, that, you know, whether it's 0 0.6, 0 0.8. There is no justification for either number. It's a it's it's a number out of the hat, um, and whether it's right or wrong, very hard to answer that question. But yes, linking the property profits that MTRC is make, making to because that's the overall economic model or, or business model of MTR, which is railway and property or railway property model, then it is fundamentally completely okay to build that into the mechanism of how MTRC finances sure. are managed. So I don't think there is any irrationality in that particular approach. What that number should be, uh, obviously, from a public perspective, higher the number, the better it is. Uh, so, but there is no logic why it should be 0.6 or why 0.8. Mm. Uh, it's a you know something that we legislators have to do their job and negotiate a deal out of MTR. End of story. But as long as there's a formula where people know how much they can change or how much the fares are going to change, I think that's the objectivity we need. But I think just putting that into a context of all the other fare increases, one thing which we have to understand that high we go on public transport and lower we go on rest of the mode of transport like ton, you know tunnel tolls it is going to shift people away from public transport to road-based systems or cars and mm. and that is going to be detrimental for whole of Hong Kong we are still talking about this consumption voucher and Hong Kong economy needing a boost and I think considering all of those this is probably what we have to question is this the right time to increase these these things at the moment but yes in terms of formula I support it yeah. all right and uh, mr. Jang I mean going back to the uh, MTR as a new fare adjustment mechanism do you think it's likely that uh, we will see um, MTR fare cuts this year oh uh, I, I think the fares will, uh, will, will still um, will still uh, be likely to go up later this year and uh, despite the latest changes because uh, I, as I just mentioned um, yeah, I, I also agree with Alan that, uh, uh, that uh, the direction of uh, this uh, fair adjustment reform is correct. It's, 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 a, it's a good move. But why I about, but why I just said the factors are, are too conservative? It's because yeah, even even uh, even MTR is making already know that MTR is making like uh, more than ten billion uh, more than ten billion uh, profits from its uh, Hong Kong pro uh, property development. This year, fair uh, fair level will still likely to go up. Uh, after the calculation, so uh, we, we we are we are unlikely to see a, a fair free a fair freeze or uh, or, or even a, even a fair cut. So uh, that's why I said this uh, number is set uh, at a too conservative level. Yeah. Hmm. I mean, if the government just cut fares to zero, would would the MTR still be profitable, or do MTR revenues make up a substantial part of its operating revenue? 
Well, I think operating revenue is is substantial, certainly, okay. but the margins there are not very big. But when it comes to property or other ancillary revenue, the property, the operating margins are very high. On their commercial business, uh, which is the station retail and property retail, property management, the margins are close to eighty percent, which is very handsome margin. Cool. Uh, so obviously. And but but those are what we call incidental profits. They sure. would not realize if they didn't have the railway operation. Mm-hmm. So railway operation is the investment, and then all the other things are where they generate the return. So it is really, I mean, um, sensible to bring that the the overall profitability of MTRC into the fold of the formula because that really affects the the business outcome of MTRC. But if, if you made it free, the whole system free, uh, yes. Um, that would be perfect world, isn't it? Uh, everybody will use well, not, MTR. Not for the bus companies or the taxi drivers. Well, yeah. <laughs> they might have an issue. <laughs> yes. But uh, having said that, I mean, from a people perspective, and uh, then MTRC should, uh, I would say, I, if I was MTRC, I would argue that, that the MTRC should also be given to have a free reign on property development so they can ma- maximize the profit from the property side and then plow it back to subsidize the public transport operation. Uh, if that is the direction we want, yes, I mean, many cities around the world are taking that kind of directions. Really? They have free... They have free Not free, but property. subsidizing the, the public transport operation using the profits from other parts of the you know infrastructure. So we're saying the MTR needs traffic revenue for cash flow or for profitability? Because those are two different things. So the three things, actually. The third thing is number of people who use the system at any given point of time. Sure. So pricing is also one of the mechanisms to distribute the, the traffic within the system. Sure. So sure. there is a capacity, there's a limited capacity, and you want to use pricing as a way to, supp- to control the demand. So that is one part. But obviously, MTRC does need an operating revenue because uh, the, as we go on and as MTRC assets require more replacement, they will certainly need funds to to pay for these replacements that need to be done on the infrastructure. Which, which is, we are coming to that age in MTRC right now. Yeah, yeah. Gary, Gary Tsong, are we are we paying to are we paying to ride or are we paying for maintenance and overhaul or could could the whole thing be paid for through real estate and retail rents? I think uh, in a, in a, if we, we we were talking about like uh, a long period of time. The uh, MTR uh, MTR corporations can um, sort of uh, break even. I mean, just just for its uh, transportation part of the, uh, the the business, the operating the operating, which is the railway operations, uh, the revenue can uh, uh, um, can bear can barely uh, cover the the operating cost. But uh, for, yeah, for for some certain uh, for some particular years, like in uh, during the COVID period and during the social unrest. Yeah, the, the, the its operating business was actually making a huge loss. So that's why we need a station retail. That's that's why we need a a a a a, a shopping malls uh, with this uh, with this more stable uh, source of income. So we can uh, sort of uh, uh, make sure the 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 railway operator got a sustainable uh, cash flow and the resources, the the the, the right amount of resources for its uh, asset replacement for its uh, daily maintenance. Mm, I mean, Janice asked earlier about potential for price cuts, uh, or is that, is that never going to happen as long as inflation's on the positive side? Or are we, is it, I mean, is it just, you know, is, is, do they link uh, MTR fare rates to inflation? Or oh, yes. Yeah. CPI is, is a big factor there. So it's both CPI and transport wage index, they are still part of the formula. And as long as the CPI goes up, then the fares will go up. Does the CPI include 
MTR fares? <laughs> well, it does. The <laughs> so CPI is a CPI, so it affects the whole cities as reported by the Economic Bureau. So CPI numbers are there in the factor. And in the periods of deflation, I think there was one incident where MTRC did reduce the, the, the fares. Mm. Yeah. And and is the MTR the greenest way to travel in Hong Kong? I mean, it would. I mean, given that it's powered by electricity, which we get from coal and other sources, uh, nuclear in, in in part, is it the greenest way to travel in Hong Kong? I mean, if we all traveled by MTR, would bicycle would be the away? greenest in my opinion. Okay, fair but, enough. Uh, obviously, fair enough. that that is uh, if you are taking beyond a certain distance, then MTRC. Possibly among the mechanized modes, MTRC would be the greenest, yes. Yeah, Gary, uh, Gary, when you're sitting in LegCo and you're having discussions about transport in Hong Kong, what is, what is the main concern? Is it about having the greenest system in Hong Kong, the cheapest system in the world? I mean, what, what is, the, uh, what is the, the primary driver of considerations on determining transport policy? Yeah, I, I think there are two key factors uh, uh, when we talk about public transport in, uh, in Hong Kong. Definitely the affordability, that's, uh, that's a very eye-catching topic each year, particularly particularly when the pu- public transport operators, they, they want to raise their fares. And, uh, but another very uh, important issue is the performance of, the, of our public transport, uh, different uh, modes of public transport. Uh, you know, when, uh, when MTR or bus, uh, or bus companies, they, they got some major instance, they, they definitely the public will be very concerned and the logical will have uh, uh, very, um, uh, will also be very concerned and we'll have a very in-depth discussions for, uh, for, for, uh, for, for those, um, especially those high-profile major instance. Yeah. Okay. Uh- Right. And just going back to uh, MTR fares, I mean, uh, of course, uh, earlier you mentioned that uh, it's the first time that uh, MTR's property earnings as uh, as, uh, as a factor that's been taken into account. In future, what other factors do you think uh, we should also take into account? I think... um I think yeah, yeah. It's a good production to link the profit uh, of MTR into the formula. But uh, well, when we use the when we only use the property, the property development uh, uh, profits, we are actually ignoring the ignoring the, the their their shopping malls, their uh, their station shops, and all all of these uh, profits. They are they 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 are of very significant amount, and they they all they they also. They also uh, sort of a privilege of MTR because of its uh, very unique business model. Because it's also part of you can also argue to say that it's also part of the R plus P model as well. So um, I, I'm still not very sure. I, I mean, I'm not convinced that why these uh, station shops' profits, why these shopping malls' profits are not included in the formula, but only the property property development profits. So I will I will continue to have a discussion with uh, with the government to figure it out. All right, good. Gary, I'm glad you're having those discussions because that's your job, because you are a legislative counselor uh, in Hong Kong. Gary Tong Tin Yu, member of the Legislative Council. Thank you for joining us today as Alok Jane, who did double duty. He's the CEO and managing director of Trans Consult in Hong Kong. Uh, we're going to say thank you very much. Uh, next week, uh, I'll be back on Money Talk uh, on Monday morning, and then we'll have Janice Wong back on Back Chat. Yeah? On Wednesday, yes. On Wednesday. Okay, good. I think it'll be Jim Gould and Mike Rouse on Monday morning. As per usual, thank you to producer Kara Ha and our engineer James Lung for today's show. And this has been Back Chat.